Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, 9 a.m. And as we watch that video, for many of us, it's, it's, I'm at that age and many of us are there where it's like we have students and high schoolers and junior hires and kids at our academy that I remember maybe when this guy over here was in the academy and you'd, kids were like, oh, I was four years old when that happened. I was seven years old when 9-11 happened. But nowadays, most of our young people they, were, they weren't even born when that, that uh, infamous moment took place in the history of our country. And I don't know about some of you, um, I remember I was in El Monte, I was in college, and I was at a church called El Monte Foursquare, and I remember specifically, and, and maybe would you just raise your hand and entertain me for a moment, because we'll get to the message, but I remember that feeling my freshman year of college where I had attended this church because I was out there and I was learning with some new leaders, and I remember they had three services and we had to sit up in the balcony because when those terrorists struck our country, what did people do? At least from my perspective, I remember our senators and our Congress. I remember them praying on the steps. I remember them singing songs together. I remember churches being jam-packed, right? Does anybody else remember that? Like it was like we got scared and where did we run? And I think it's interesting comparison when, when our country faced um, a, a tragedy, uh, uh, you know, when we faced what we faced in 2020, the response was much different as not only did I felt like we didn't necessarily run to church, but those felt like we were banned from church and we closed church and different things. And so it's just an interesting take. I don't really have a point in the matter, just an observation of how much life has changed and how much church we need to be people that are declaring the name of Jesus to the generations that are following us. Amen? We have a, a hero that we're going to study today as we jump into the life of this man named Joseph. His story reads much like that of a novel, like it just tracks, like it's a, a suspenseful novel, and um, it's, it's going to be exciting. But I want to I plug one more thing, and David did a wonderful job speaking about it. On October 2nd, we, uh, we have um, also after this prayer service, really, it's, it's a nice way of saying we're having a prayer service. We used to call it like laying of hands, right? But we're going to have a baptism service, and this is something, and, and I thought maybe if I could tell our story and lead from the front, then maybe it would encourage, maybe some of you have never taken this step, because how many of you know Jesus didn't instruct us to do a whole lot, right? He, he told us to, you know, obey the greatest commandment is love. He said, hey, let's love each other. Uh, remember, he, he instructed us, he told us to remember him when we received communion. And what was the other thing he told us to do, church? Do you remember? He, he instructed us to be baptized. Not a very long checklist, right? Like for a guy that went to the, he's not asking a whole lot. He's saying, man, if, if you're with me, right, show the world, let's be baptized. And so one of the things that I'm excited about, we're getting an oversized pool. I requested it from our team because I'm actually going to be baptized again. And I'm going to do it with my entire family. And so my four girls, and so um, my four, well, my four girls, my wife and my three daughters, I should say. But, um, 
I, I, had ta- I had asked my wife, you know when you want to ask your spouse something, but you're almost, and I said, honey, I almost feel like I want to be baptized again. Would that be weird? And I remember she just started crying because she was like, I was thinking the same thing. And so we're going to do that with our kids, but I thought maybe the reason I wanted to tell you is maybe you've been in church a long time. Maybe you've been and, and you're like, man, I've like followed Jesus forever, but I just forgot to do that when I was 13, 14, 15. I just never got around to it. Maybe you've been, um, maybe you haven't been walking with the Lord. I just wanted to, to encourage you to say, you know what, jump in and, and let's have an amazing time of baptism on October 2nd. If that's something that you've been praying about, maybe, you've, maybe you feel foolish because you've been in church forever and yet you never made that step to get baptized and you almost... I've talked to people sometimes where they're like, I just feel embarrassed now. I've been following the Lord for like 20 years, and I don't want people to know, right? So that, that, is, that would be an amazing thing to do. So you can sign up for that uh, on our app. So, all right, you ready to get into the Word? All right, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 15, and as we go back to the Old Testament once again today, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, the Bible says this. It says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have somebody, I love this word, somebody say it, hope, hello, right? That we might have hope, that's the, that's the, it's talking about the Old Testament here. What was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. It's not written for our entertainment, it's written so that we might learn, that we might be challenged, that we might uh, go out and do, right? So that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, church, we might have hope. That's what this, this scripture says. It, it gives us hope for the future. Not only guidance for this moment, not only instructions for our daily questions, but a hope for the future, a hope for eternity. So as we get into, would you open your Bibles? And that is where we're going to go to a story from the past, Genesis chapter 37. Here is a brief kind of biography, some highlights in the life of this man named Joseph, and I want to quickly break down his life into three segments. Those of you that maybe you're, you're a baby boomer, if you've been around, you could probably look back at seasons of your life. This is when my kids were at home. This is when I got educated. This is when I went through college, right? This is, this is my retirement season, whatever it is. But Joseph, we can quickly glance at his story. And if you have a Bible today, this is what I want us to look at, because as we walk through his story the next few weeks, uh, we're going to specifically reference some things that happened in Genesis chapter 30 through 37, but we won't necessarily have a full teaching on them. But when it, from, from zero to 17 years old in the book of Genesis, it will give you, if, if you want some good reading, church, how many of you love ha- having some, like, reading about some messed up stories? You love some drama, you love a little, right, a little soap opera action. Well, let me tell you, you'll find some in this section of the Bible. Genesis chapter 30 through, and, and chapter through 37, right? At just 17 years old, it's, it's Joseph's time when he was 0 to 17, and it gives us some dirty te- details about what was going on in the home. Uh, it gives us some, some background. It gives us some more insight to what was happening. We, we actually see multiple times that his father kind of had a habit of being a passive father, We see a lot of immoral decision-making going on in those chapters. Um, We see a a family history of deception. We see Joseph raised in a home with family issues. Can anybody relate to that? Or do you have a perfect family? Did you have a perfect upbringing, right? Right? We should all be able to relate to that 0 to 17 phase. And then there's this next section of his life. We're going to jump into this today. When he is 17 years of age through age 30, 
At just 17, everything goes off the rails for Joseph, and he quickly discovers life isn't fair. He quickly discovers that things can get out of, tro- out of control um, in a hurry. We would say it like that. 17, I, I think 17 is an age where things are supposed to be awesome. Would you agree with that? 17 through 30, those, that's, that, those are the years where your knees shouldn't hurt, right? <laughs> those are ages that that should be a lot of fun, right? It's a lot to look forward to, but we're going to discover not anymore for this young man. At age 17, everything he probably dreamed about and hoped for goes away very quickly. And then there's another section of his life, if we break it up. Uh, it, it begins at age 30, 30 years old till the day he dies. And you'll see it. It's found in Genesis chapter 41 through 50. And we, we, we see that he experiences favor. He experiences prosperity. He experiences a life that he, he is blessed. And if you know his story, uh, Joseph had every right to be a, a little bit like Tony Soprano. He had every right to, to be like, you know, uh, Denzel Washington in a few of his movies where he goes out, man on fire, where he goes out and takes care of business. But we see multiple times Joseph spares his brothers. Uh, not only does he spare them, but he protects them. Not only does he protect them, but then he goes on and he blesses them. Not only does he bless them, but he actually forgives them. And this is where we're going to go the next few weeks, which I find amazing on the behalf of Joseph. And what a leader, when he discovers his divine purpose, when he discovers why God put him here, when he discovers the task that God had set before him. How many of you know, just like Joseph, do you believe we have a purpose today? Um, Do we believe we have a task today? Because following Jesus is important. Uh, Inviting someone to church is important, right? Uh, uh, Accepting Christ is important. But it doesn't, God didn't just put us here to accept Jesus and then just hang out and wait for heaven, right? He he placed us here for a reason, for a purpose, for a, a task. And that purpose isn't always easy to discover and that task isn't always a, a, a quick arrival time. And in fact, usually discovering God's plan or, or seeing some of the blessings in your life, usually, would you agree, if you've lived a little bit, would you say usually uh, God's purpose or tasks or things that we really want, usually they don't arrive on our time frame. Would anybody here agree with that, right? Things were going great for this young man, Joseph, up until age 17. And I look back and I go, oh my gosh, his life, he's so young. Some of you might be 17, anybody 16, 18. Like I sit here and I go, his life just fell apart at age 17, but God had a purpose for him, even though he experienced a dramatic twist in his story. So we've titled this series, The Plot Twist. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the life of Joseph, and we're going to see that, that life takes him uh, on a ride. We're going to see that there's a twist, there's a story. Anybody ever enjoy like a wonderful movie where something happens where you're just, I rem- maybe I'll, I'll remember that movie Shawshank Redemption. In the very end, it was like I didn't see it coming, right? This plot twist that you're just, you're, you're, your jaw is just on the floor, right? Joseph experiences this moment, and we're going to talk about this today. Before he arrives to his purpose, before he realizes his task, why God placed him here, what he was supposed to do, who he was supposed to serve, who he was instructed to save, we're going to see that things get messed up and he experiences a plot twist and we all experience those moments, those left-hand turns when we thought we were going right 
The life ends up taking us to the left. Well, let's get in. We have a, uh, is it okay to read the Bible in church? Because we're going to read a lot of scripture today. Genesis chapter 37, and let's start in verse 2. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, but Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Take note, uh, if you, do you have some notes today? Can you pull out your smartphone? Uh, you have some notes on, on there if you want to jump into it. If you go to our media section, uh, if you take notes the, the best way with a pen and paper, the old school way, you might remember them a little bit more. But let's get ready to take some, some notes. And I want you to keep in mind verse 2 because we'll come back to this later. Verse 2 says, Joseph often is, he, he, he's working. Do we notice that? He's tending to his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers. So he's, he's doing something. He's, he's getting his hands dirty. And then the Bible says, but Joseph reported to his father some of the things, some of the bad things his brothers were doing is what my translation, the NLT says. Um, how many of us have any little brothers or sisters? Right? We're going to get into a few things that maybe a few missteps that Joseph may have made and how many of us make mistakes at 17 at 19 at 20 at 25 at 30 at 40 at 50 right how many of us make mistakes we can relate well joseph made a few mistakes because let's face it he's 17 and he needs to mature he's 17 and he's a young man he's a kid but he's 17 and he's in a mixed family right multiple wives concubines it's a part of this culture at the time joseph is born into a family full of dysfunction uh, I encourage you to read more about the dysfunction in Genesis chapter 30 to chapter 37. If you're, if, you're just, if you're looking for a story, right, but at a glance, we know that his father's name is Jacob. And if you remember the story of Jacob, his very name means, anybody know this? It means deceiver. His very name means deceiver. And in Genesis chapter 30 to 35, Jacob also seems to be he seems to be a very passive father. And I just want to make a statement, and this isn't a teaching on parenting but we can learn some truths should we ever be surprised when there's chaos in a home when the father is passive we act like it today like we're trying to figure out like what's going on in america what's going on in home right we act like it but why would we be surprised about chaos when fathers are passive just food for thought and that's a side note you can put into your your notes today verse three jacob loved joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. Jacob loved Joseph not only because of his old age, but if you'll find out in the chapters listed before, uh, specifically, Joseph was the son of a woman named Rachel. How many of us remember who Rachel is? It's, it's the wife, let's face it, it's the wife that Jacob loved most, right? This guy has all kinds of issues. Jacob, he's, a, he's clearly a great husband, Great father, I'm teasing, sarcasm there, right? But the Bible tells us that Jacob loved Rachel. And he loved Rachel, we know, more than his sister Leah. We know their story of deception. And if you don't know the story of, of uh, Jacob, Leah, and Rachel, man, I'm telling you, if you want to get into a soap opera, there's some good reading this week. I'm just going to let you have, I'll leave it at that, right? Biblical soap opera that you need to catch up on. 
right? You think Netflix has some stories that you're like, wow, that is weird. No, 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 no. This is like Jacob and Leah and working for her father and deceiving, deceiving Jacob after seven years of work. And he's like, wakes up in the bed one morning and, oh, I'm with the wrong person. That's what goes on in Scripture, folks, right? He accidentally marries this woman, Leah. Somebody tricked him, right? Where the woman he wanted to marry was the sister, Rachel. Well, the Bible tells us that Rachel died in childbirth but Joseph comes from Rachel. So let's keep that in mind as we read today, right? A little bit of context in the culture, what's going on? Joseph comes from Rachel. He is the son of Rachel. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. The Bible says this, it says, a beautiful robe. A beautiful robe. We've heard this, we've seen it. How many of us love that Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat back in the day with Donnie Osmond, right? We've seen this story played out. But dad made a gift for his favorite son. Uh, and, and again, context matters here because often we just see a, a multicolored coat and we just think, okay, whatever. But I was, I was reading a, a book this week um, and, and it was a, a wonderful read, but it was H.C. Uh, Leopold. He, he, he was a commentary and he said, Regarding the style of Joseph's garment, he said this tunic was sleeved. It was believed, he believed it was extended from, from, the, from the wrists to the ankles. Uh, the, he draws this conclusion because the Hebrew word pesim, it means wrists or ankles. And so what we need to keep in mind here is, remember verse 2, it said Joseph was working with his brothers. Well, now daddy comes on the scene and he's, he's very out of touch as we're going to see but he gives them this fancy coat, and if it's a fancy coat that's adorned with jewelry and colors and robes, all these different things, and it extends from your wrists to your ankles, and that culture where most of their cloaks went knee-high so they could actually get work done, they would go to the elbows, right? Basically, Dad was sending a symbol that how much work does this 17-year-old need to really do because he's going to show up to work in this, this beautiful coat? And, and really, the reality is, this robe should have gone to Reuben. It should have gone to the oldest son. And what Jacob was actually saying, the, the double inheritance that was promised in that culture to the eldest son, he's actually treating Joseph, the favorite son of the favorite wife, Rachel. He's saying, Joseph, you are going to be moved to the front of the line. Joseph, you're going to be treated as the oldest. You're going to inherit the most. You're going to be blessed the most. And what happens here is Scripture makes it very clear that the older, older brothers understood this completely. They understood that this coat meant, it, it was more than just a pretty coat, it meant that Joseph would surpass them and be treated like the eldest son. You still with me? Verse 4. But his brothers, they hated Joseph. Because their father loved him more than the rest of him. And we read this, I kind of would read this as a kid like, wow, these brothers just hate him, right? But if you go back and you, and you kind of read about the different women and the different things that Jacob did, the father known as a deceiver, you understand that this hate probably started from the moment Joseph first arrived. This is 17 years worth of hate because their father loved him and made it known, right? more than the rest of them. The Bible says this, let's finish off verse 4. They couldn't say a kind word to him. This is a home full of jealous brothers, deceitful people, angry people. For 17 years, these emotions are boiling up. Have any of us ever held on to something for a while and it just keeps building? 
and it keeps building and it's just a powder keg ready to explode and and boil over and one could say Joseph as we get into these verses verse 5 Joseph's young he's a dreamer He's a bit naive. He's probably not the hardest worker of all the brothers because let's face it, he doesn't have to be. He's immature. His actions, we could say in some ways, he, he, he helps light this family fuse. It's already a situation that's ready to explode. He helps get it started. Let's read about it in verse 5. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. <laughs> Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle of grain, it stood up, and your bundles all gathered around, and they bowed low before mine. Hello. How many of you like this kid could use some tact in his delivery? I mean, that, that might be a dream. You may want to keep that to yourself, right? Are you aware of your older brothers, right? Uh, it, it could be arrogance. It could be immaturity. Why would he say this? But let's continue in verse Eight, but it's like, it's like Joseph, dude, brother, don't you know they already don't like you? Anybody right? Don't you know? Can't, can't you tell they already hate you? They hate hearing from you. They hate what you're wearing. They don't like you. Why would you say this? But verse eight, his brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them, his dreams Maybe it's arrogance, maybe it's immaturity, but can we all agree that there probably are times where we need to stop talking? I do this, right? I've been told this, like I just need to sometimes stop talking and just, just talk less and hug more. And I don't like hugging, so it's weird, right? No, I'm teasing. But, right, let's look at verse 9. Verse 9. Soon Joseph had another dream. Can you, un- like, another dream. We, this kid needs some NyQuil. He needs to stop. He needs to fall asleep. He needs to, have a, he needs to stop dreaming, right? Something. And then he makes another mistake here. We're going to talk about a few mistakes I think Joseph made. And again, he told his brothers about it. Why? Why? Joseph, why? He says, listen, listen, brothers. I had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed low before me, and what they break down from this dream, the sun is the, the father, the moon, the mother, right? The 11 stars are the brothers, and they said, and they bowed down before me. I mean, if I was this father, like dad needs to get involved, like wake this kid up. Stop talking, Joseph. Keep these dreams to yourself. Like stop, stop it right now. Stop dreaming. But let's look at verse 10. This time he told the dream to his father as well to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? Jacob asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. But again, we we, we see his father being passive, don't we? And you see it a lot in, in, other, in the other prior chapters as well. Number one, would you write this down today? No enemy is more subtle than passivity, than being passive. We don't need any more, <laughs> we, we, like, it's like, like everything, right? We don't need any more passive parents, right? We don't need any, like even sometimes, like even passive Christians. Now I'm not saying we need to go out and pick fights. We need to love and speak with kindness and honor people 
We need to honor people, people who we disagree with, people who don't think like us. But no enemy is more subtle than, than being passive. And you see that in the Father. I would say, like, it's like even in church, like, we don't need, like, if, if you're going to be a passive parent, stop making babies, right? Like, we don't need, right? I know that sounds really blunt, but, like, we don't need any more passive parents in church. Like, please stop making them, right? If you're not going to discipline them, stop. It's like there's enough kookiness in this world. There's enough kooky kids running around with broken families and broken homes, right? In a, in a world, in a culture that says, well, just let them figure it out. Let them figure it out. Let them figure it out. And I think, man, it's like, as a Christian, if you're going to become a parent, and this is, if you're 15 in here today, there's some of our youth is here. If you're 14, 15, 16, if you're 20, if you're 25, and, that, and, and building a family is a dream that you have, you know, you can make a decision, even in your teen years, that says, I'm going to biblically take control of my family. I'm going to commit to raising them, right, according to God's word. I'm going to commit to raising my kids according to the power of knowing that name, Jesus Christ. That's a commitment we can make, right? We don't need any more passive people. Well, Joseph is 17 years old. Would you write a few things down? I don't think I put these on the handout today. But Joseph messed up a little bit here, I think, and we can learn from this and some wisdom, right, because he, he needs to mature a little bit. But what can we learn from this 17-year-old kid? Because we're going to learn a lot from Joseph when he gets older. We're going to learn a lot of wisdom from Joseph when he gets older, and we're going to see a lot about forgiveness when he gets older. It's amazing. But when he's young, would you write this down? We can learn Joseph is a narc. He's a tattletale. He's a punk. Like, Did you catch that in verse 2? It said he showed up and he gave a bad report to his father about the brothers. Now, kids, right, if you want to have friends in school, right? There are times where you need to tell on someone, right? Right? I mean, I've done this with a couple of my kids before. And then there's other times where like a kid didn't pick the right moment to go sharpen their pencil. It's like, you, you need to be quiet sometimes. We don't always need to tell on people at work, do we, right? Joseph is a tattletale. He goes out, he probably watches. He's probably that little punk brother that's sneaking around watching what they're doing, right? And verse two says he gave a bad report about his older brothers, now, I have a couple younger brothers, right? And, and I'll just say, it's not always socially wise to be a tattletale, is it? It's not always like socially a good call, right? That old, what was that? Snitches get what? Stitches, right? There you go. Write that down in your notes. That's important, important point number four. <laughs> number two, what else did Joseph do at 17? I think this is a mistake. He told his dreams to those that don't have his best interest in mind, Right? church like if God has like if God has called you to something if God has given you a, a desire a dream something placed on your heart be careful who you share that with right it, it, it's like Joseph shares it with people that are totally jealous of him he shares it with his brothers who who don't like him the Bible makes it very clear they in fact hate him number three there's a bit of pride in this 17 year old he won't take off this fancy coat Right? I think there's some mistakes he made. He won't take off his coat. It's like Joseph, in the beginning of the chapter, you read he was tending to the flock, and then we can kind of deduce it. he's constantly wearing the coat. He's constantly wearing the symbol, the reminder to all the other 11 brothers that they are lesser than. He constantly walks in with a little bit of pride, right? It's like, I think of like everybody has to ride a bike to school. And you might be blessed, you might be, like, you can't control where you, where you grow up or what, who your parents are, but it's like everybody riding the bike to school and you show up in a Bentley. 
You don't think people are going to have comments, right? Like Joseph like shows up with his coat. Everybody's working with the flock and he shows up not ready to work. And it's like, man, could you just maybe, maybe put that coat under your bed for a while, Joseph? Right? You need to socially like, kind of see what's going on. While, while Joseph is gifted and while Joseph is, we're going to see he has this ability to not only dream big, but he has this ability to interpret dreams. He's called, he's wise, he's going to grow up and become all these different things. All these gifts he has are going to serve him well in life, but he's, he's 17. He's immature, right? He's, 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 think of someone you work with. This is Joseph. He's socially that person that you work with at your job, at the hotel, on the police force, in the firehouse, wherever it is you do work, in, at the computer. He's that employee that tells on everyone. Right? I remember working at Bank of America. There was a couple people where it was like, man, they took a two-minute, they were, they were on break for two extra minutes, and you're like, really, bro? Like, really? He, he's that employee that relays too much information. He talks to everyone about everything all the time. Like TMI, at the wrong moment, he's oversharing. You ever met anybody who's an oversharer? Right? And if you haven't, you're the oversharer. It's you, right? They just share too much. It's like TMI, they text to, it's like that, I did not need to know that or see that, but thank you. Joseph, I think this, he, he doesn't realize his blessing makes others feel left out. There's nothing wrong with being blessed, but his blessing makes others feel like they've been left behind. There's, there's a lack of humility, and he's got to grow up a little bit. Before God can use all these amazing gifts, he's, he's got to get a bit older, and, and, and what happens is we see this incredible plot twist take place in the life of Joseph. 17 is supposed to be an age where you can conquer the world, right? Life should be good at 17, but Joseph's character needs some building. Let's look at what happens. Verse 12, soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. Now, don't just skip past this because you'll find this town in prior chapters. You'll find it in the chapters we identified. Um, it's significant because something terrible happened in the family's history in this town of Shechem. And so we read this verse like, okay, they just, they just, they're, they're out at Shechem tending the flocks. Well, there's, the family has history there. They had a sister that was raped there. And the brothers, in, 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 in seasons prior, the brothers, <clears throat> they went to this town and they, the Bible says they killed all the men and they raided their homes in Shechem, right? This is where they are going with their flocks. That's what the Bible says, that they went, they showed up, they took care of business for what was done to their sister, and then they just took everything. They took it all. So the brothers went and took care of business in this town, and so that is where they are going, which I find it interesting because part of me goes, Jacob, what are you doing sending Joseph out to be with these kids, right? Let's read this in verse 13. When they had gone for, for some time, when they'd been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. And part of me wonders is maybe that's why the father sent Joseph in the first place. He thought, you know what, there was some trouble in that town back in the day. <laughs> I wonder if somebody decided to get revenge on my other boys. Joseph, you need to go check on them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Verse 14, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along. Jacob said, then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. So keep in mind, Joseph once again, in verse 2, was working. 
And now skip ahead to verse, where are we at? Verse 14. So we went from verse 2, where he's working with his brothers, to verse 14, where now he is checking in on them. And he's no doubt, he shows up with his coat. He's 17, showing up in his fancy coat. He's not dressed for work, and he's checking on them. And he's probably going to give another bad report, right? And, and, and I think, man, Jacob, how out of touch is this father with his 12 boys? How out of touch is this man with his own kids, with his own family, totally naive, totally unaware of the danger that he's sending his favorite into. He's sending his favorite son into a very dangerous situation. Verse 18, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, as he approached, here we go. You read it right. This is the Old Testament after all. They made plans to what? Eleven brothers, man. Eleven brothers. It says, as they just saw him out in the distance. How much do you have to hate someone to just see them and be like, when he gets here, we're going to kill him. That's what we're going to do. Like, this is a, a, a boiler. Like, this is, this is a crazy story. Verse 19, here comes the dreamer. Here comes that dreamer, they said. Here's that kid that reminds us of, he, he thinks he's going to just rule over us. And Jacob, our dad's going to let him. Let's kill him. Verse 20, come on. Let's kill him and let's throw him into one of these cisterns. It's an empty well, basically, an empty hole. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of little bro's dreams. Now, um, <laughs> I was thinking about this this week. I have four siblings. And each of them, like, I always like getting their permission before I talk to anybody, but I think I'm pretty safe on this one. Each of them would agree, like, growing up, you, it's natural to have disagreements with your sibling at some point. Each of us have probably hurt one another's feelings. Each of us could definitely agree where there's a moment where a sibling can frustrate you, where a sibling can hurt you, make you feel left out, whatever. But I can honestly say how much pent-up anger and how much hostility do you have to have in your heart to say about your sibling, let's kill him? Right? Think about this, right? Now, I've never even had my thought, I've never even had that thought, like, go through my mind. I hope my siblings haven't either, right? And we shouldn't get credit for that. Like, you don't get a medal for that. You're not supposed to want to kill your sibling, right? You don't, you're like, oh, good job. You've never thought about killing them. No, no, no. This is so messed up. You aren't supposed to want to hurt your brother, your sister. But I think these are the results of Jacob. It's the result of a passive father at home. Verse 21. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. And Reuben, you know, Reuben seems like a good guy here, but let me just tell you, you can read a little bit about Reuben in, in for chapters 30 to 36. And the older brother, he might just be acting because he's been a knucklehead in the past. And so there's some things going on in him. But anyways, he said, let's not kill him. Verse 22, why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into the empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without laying a hand on him. The Bible says Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph. And he was going to return him to his father. 23, so when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Look, he showed up to work with that symbol. They grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Would you write this down? What, notice the fir, very first thing they did. 
doesn't say they punched him. doesn't say they knocked him out. doesn't say they shed any blood. What did they do? They took the symbol. They took the symbol of that wealth. They took the symbol of that inheritance. They took the symbol of that relationship, of that favorite mom, Rachel, right? That wasn't, they, they knew Rachel wasn't our mom. Dad doesn't feel the same way about us. That was the very first thing to go. Take off that stinking coat. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Verse 25, then just as they were sitting down to eat. <laughs> Can I pause there? So you just make an attempt to kill your brother. You ruin his life, and you desert him, and how, like, again, this shows you how wicked their hearts are. Hey, you, you hungry? We're gonna, I mean, we just plotted murder, but, you know, maybe we'll just, we'll just let him, we'll let him die of starvation and no water. You want to get something to eat? You think Wendy's is still open? Right? I mean, this is, these are some, some bitter cats right here. How disconnected are they from their family? But you know what, and, and this could be a, a little, I got a couple little side notes. They, like, they just ruined Joseph's life and they sit down to have lunch. And I want to challenge somebody here, because maybe this whole message isn't for you today, but maybe this one point is for you right here. It's not even written down, but maybe this is for someone today. Stop thinking about the person who intentionally hurt you. Maybe this is the one thing you can get out of today's sermon. So maybe you're here today and someone really intentionally, purposefully hurt you. And yet you're letting them dominate your day. You're letting them dominate your week. You're letting them dominate your thoughts. And here's what I thought about this when I was reading this scripture. And you're letting them ruin your day. And odds are they might be having lunch. They're like Joseph's brothers. Like they, are, they are dominating your thought process. You can't get over this intentional wound. Somebody stuck it to you, man, and you can't let it go. And, and I'm telling you right now, that person is having lunch. They're not even worried. If there's a sense of evil and wickedness that is exposed, they're not even worried about how they hurt you. They're just having lunch. They don't care about how they hurt you. A little side sermon. They looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. Verse 26, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? Then we'd have to cover up the crime. Look at these guys. These guys are real gems. Thanks, Judah. Verse 27, instead of hurting him, let's sell him to the Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. Can we agree this morning that jealousy is a problem? I mean, it wrecks relationships, it wrecks teams, it ruins locker rooms, it ruins a workplace. Number two, would you write this down? No response is more cruel than jealousy. No response is more cruel than jealousy. I would say there's almost, <laughs> there's nothing more unattractive than jealousy when we see it rear its head, isn't it? Selfish ambition. And, and the Bible is very clear, if jealousy is allowed to grow, if it takes root in our heart, when it is unchecked, it will always cause an explosion. It will always lead to a bomb going off. It will always lead to devastation. If jealousy is in a relationship, it will cause that relationship to rage. It will ruin the atmosphere at work, right? It'll rage between your family. If it, if it goes between your kids, man, parent, if you see it, it within your kids, well, why did they get to go? You check it immediately, right? 
you stop it immediately. If you don't correct it, if some point you don't correct it, look at Jacob. He's got these 11 boys. At some point, if you don't correct the issue of jealousy going on that you see in a home, in a family, in a friendship, whatever it is, you will pay a price for it. You will pay a price for it. Verse 28. You still with me? Told you we're getting through a lot of Scripture today. We're going to make it, though. We're going to make it. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and they actually sold him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver and the traders, the Bible says, would you underline this? They took him to Egypt. They took Joseph to Egypt. What these guys did is disgusting. They plot to kill him and then they're like, actually after we ate, you know what? We can't profit if we just kill him. We can't make any money off it. And the Bible actually says, uh, I was in the, in the book I was reading this week about the life of Joseph, it said they sold him into slavery to make money, but actually the 20 pieces of silver at that time would only pay for a handicapped slave. They sold their healthy 17-year-old brother at a discount. <laughs> Bargain shopping. Joseph was put on sale to these Midianite traders, this caravan. And if you continue to read the story as we wrap this up, we're going to be able to wrap this up. They go home, they lie to their dad. They had that idea, you know what, let's, let's, let's messy up this coat, let's put animal blood on it and say he was attacked by a wild animal. And the plot keeps going. And for 17-year-old Joseph, first he's thrown into the pit. He's thrown into this empty well, this cistern, an empty pit pretty much. Look at verse 24. They grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty where there was no water. There's nothing to survive on. There's no sustenance. And he's probably thinking, am I going to die in this pit am i gonna die here right that would not be a fun way to go nothing to survive on and then i think there's probably this moment put your picture yourself with someone you care about like just totally betraying you and maybe they were just upset but think about when they start to pull him out if he didn't hear the conversation going on up top maybe there's a sense of hope right oh my big brothers they were just messing with me man Whew, scary right maybe i'll maybe i'll take this coat off when i get home right but he's pulled out and maybe he's thinking, I learned my lesson, guys. I'm good to go. Maybe they're going to take me home to dad, but no, 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 no. Bible's clear. He goes from that pit to something worse and he gets taken to Egypt. Plot twist, he is on his way to Egypt. Verse 36, this is our final scripture today. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders, they arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, Potiphar was a captain of the palace guard. And so Joseph, in what we could say is a turn of events that doesn't work out for his good, there is a plot twist that takes place. He goes from this empty pit, now he is in Egypt. And the reality is this story doesn't, it does, this situation doesn't get better for a while. Right? A lot of us, it's like you want to read this page and be like, okay, where, where's the happy ending? Well, no, 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 he's going to experience dark years ahead. Not just one year or two years or three years, but the, 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 the darkness, this season of suffering is only beginning for this young man. And what lies ahead of him, he has no idea. Only later will Joseph, he, he realizes later when we go to chapter like 50, that he says like this was God's plan to bring me to Egypt, but that's what he realizes today. Well, so we close this morning. Pastor Greg, would you come close us on the piano today and... We're going to bow our heads in a minute. And here's what I want to ask and as we finish up. 
Maybe some of us, do you feel like Joseph a little bit in this moment? Are you in a season where it's just not been going so well? The Bible says Joseph was thrown into a pit, right? Uh, has someone hurt you? Has a sibling, you know, has, has a family member, has a boss, has someone stuck it to you? Joseph had these, these people that he was probably looking up to somewhat. They betray him completely. Has someone put you in a bad spot? thrown you into a bad spot, for, forced you into a tough decision, stuck it to you, right? There's no blessing, there's no water, there's no sustenance, there's no way to survive in that pit, there's no support. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, there's, there's nobody that even cares about the situation I'm in. There's no support coming from anyone, you just feel like you're doing it alone and alone. And if we close today and as we talk, this path that Joseph is on is, it, it, it's totally unpredictable, but maybe if you've lived long enough, would some of us agree that life tends to be similar in that way? Would you agree, life, like the, the journey God has us on, like we don't get to see the entire story, do we, ahead of time? But we can take a step and a step. Like Joseph, the Bible says, not only, what's cool about Joseph, if you know his story, not only did he survive this first fall into the pit, not only did he survive the caravan, he's going to survive Potiphar's house. He's going to survive Potiphar's wife. He's going to survive the jail cell. He's going to interpret dreams. But not only did he survive all of those trials, but he flourished through them. He flourished and he thrived through them. That's like the God that we serve because he had God's guidance. And sometimes I think that's what we miss is we have God's guidance. We have God's word, right? We can not only survive the situation we're in, but we can thrive through it and know that like whatever turn of events, whatever left-hand turn, whatever plot twist comes our way, right? If we build our house on the Lord, if we, man, if, 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 if we, goodness, if we rely on him as our foundation, then the Bible says this, that God will use our sufferings he will use those hardships for the good of those that are in him it says if we're in him god will use all those things and he'll use them for his glory and we're going to see an amazing story play out in joseph but before we do we're, that's kind of where we begin today could we bow our heads and let's pray heavenly father thank you for this time this ability to to be in your house God, we, I ask that you would help us to praise you no matter what pit. We, maybe we're like Joseph and we're just, we're just dragging, man. We're just in a pit. We've been, we've been wronged. But God, help us to praise you even when we're hurting. God, help us to praise you even when our prayers aren't answered. God, help us to praise you even when we're waiting. God, help us to praise you even when we're praying for healing. God, help us to praise you because of who you are. Lord, remind us today. Maybe someone needs, God, our, remind us today that questions are really okay, that doubts are okay. Thank you, God, that you allow us to be frustrated. But God, help us in our doubts and our questions and our frustrations. Help us to not let go of you. That's what I love about Joseph. No doubt he had a bad deal. He had it bad for years, but he did not let go. He did not let go of his God. Lord, remind us to not let go. Maybe you're here this morning as we close and you don't have a sense of confidence, you don't have a sense of peace. We're talking about this relationship and not letting go of God, but maybe you feel like you don't even know Him or you don't have assurance with Him or you don't have intimacy with God and yet you're here hurting. 
you're broken, but maybe you feel guilty because you aren't giving God everything. You aren't trusting in Him. Maybe you haven't been in church a long time. Maybe you haven't been in a relationship with Him for a long time. Maybe you haven't been in a relationship with God at all. I think this is a message for all of us, but this is a message specifically for you. The Bible says, and I believe this, that when God is speaking, when He is making an appeal to us that we aren't here by accident, but it's God speaking. It's God speaking to our hearts. It's God nudging and it's God waiting. And He's ready and He's waiting. He's waiting for us to say yes, but He's waiting for us to say yes specifically, the Bible says, to His Son. It says that, that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Because of His grace, that name, it's power, it's healing. It's grace, it's mercy, it's goodness, it's love above all else. It's forgiveness. That name is eternal life, all because of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus went to the cross, that anyone who calls upon him, acknowledges him, can be forgiven, can be transformed. He will save, he will change. But we gotta meet with him, we gotta believe in him, we gotta acknowledge him. If you're here today and you would say, you know, I want to acknowledge Jesus in this house. I want to say yes to him. I've, I've blown it. There's this thing called sin where I, I have actually kind of messed up a bit. I just want to ask you, would you lift your eyes or lift your hands today if you want to acknowledge Jesus in this house and say yes. You know what? I want to follow him. I want to invite you to guide me. If that's you, you want to say yes to Jesus, would you just lift your hand? One, two, and three. Would you lift your hand? I see you, sir. I see you there. I see a young lady there. I see you over there see you over there can we pray can we acknowledge him can we thank him everybody that's here at the 9 a.m. today would you just repeat after me Heavenly Father forgive me of my sins Let's say something like this change me God make me new Jesus be my Savior I've done things my way would you say this church Jesus, forgive me. Fill me with your spirit and be my Lord. Are we thankful for new life in this house, church? Can we applaud him? Can we praise him? Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.